0: Hello and welcome to Breaking, a baseball news podcast here on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I am T.C. Zanka here flying solo this week. Uh, my illustrious co-host Tim Jackson cannot be here today. Uh, he has a baseball emergency, I'm sure, that he's handling elsewhere, uh, You know, digging deep into the world of fastballs, why they exist, how they can be better, and all those great roster changes that... Uh, you know, Tim is always delving into over at baseball prospectus. Today, uh, without him, it is uh it's Wednesday afternoon. This will be posted. This is coming to you Thursday morning. We only have like 10 days left in the baseball season. It's kind of crazy. We are nearing the end, and this week we have to talk about the Cardinals. It's 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 time. We've waited too long. The Cardinals went all year without seeming like a playoff team at all. They seemed like they were just Another, it was just going to be kind of another middling, successful but middling season for the for the Cardinals. And now they've won ten in a row, first time they've had a ten game winning streak since 2001. They have stormed to the top uh, of the of the wild card race, of the top of the second wild card race for the second second spot, and they're now unequivocally looking like a playoff team. It's somewhat amazing. So back on August 1st, the Cardinals were you know, around, around the race, but not really all that close. There were one game over 500. They're 53 and 52. This of course is right after the trade deadline. There was six and a half games behind the Padres for the second wild card spot. The Cardinals, they made some moves at the trade deadline. They essentially, you know, put together the oldest rotation in baseball, which is pretty amazing at the time. They traded for all the old left-handed starting pitchers. They got John Lester. They got Jay Happ, uh, Wade, the they had signed recently, uh, at that time, uh, Though LeBlanc is out again. And and somewhat amazingly, though they didn't do much, it worked. They put it together. I mean, they were without Jack Flaherty, their ace, uh, their presumptive ace. Uh Jordan Hicks, supposed to be one you know, a big bullpen arm for them, throws you know a million miles per hour, but he can't seem to stay healthy. He's out. Otherwise. We're just going to kind of take a look at today. How, how is it that the Cardinals got into this point? How is it that after all that we've seen after 140 games, how is it that the Cardinals now are going to end up as the second wild card team, not the Padres, not even the Reds, not the Mets, not the Phillies, but it's looking like it's going to be the Cardinals. So when I, when we come back, we're going to delve into them, see how exactly they were able to put this thing together. So how do the Cardinals do it? I mean, here's the thing. The Cardinals are pretty much the team that we expected them to be. They play stellar defense, all across all across the board, they have stellar defenders. Obviously, it starts with the audio Melina behind the plate. Um, you know, and he's got that mythical uh aspect to his to his glove work back there. But it's you know, it's not just Molina, it's also, you know, Harrison Bader in center field is a goal glover. Nolan Arenado is, you know, has forever been the best defensive third baseman of the game. Uh, you know, Tommy Edmund plays a solid second base. Paul Goldschmidt is good at first someone Dylan Carlson's and right and Tyler O'Neal are in left. They're solid defenders. The team just, they can, they can, they can pick it on the whole, they can pick it. They've got a solid bullpen with some interesting arms, even if the bullpen might be one of their kind of curious points that, that could be their eventual downfall. We'll see. We'll dig into that a little bit here. And the rotation is pretty much just Adam Wainwright turning back the clock. Adam Wainwright has been a top five pitcher in baseball. He's been amazing. He's 40 years old he just keeps shoving week after week. You know, Jay Happ and John Lester are still in the rotation. Jake Woodford has had some really nice games of late. Miles Mikolas has come back. But otherwise, they're still without Dakota Hudson. They're still without Jack Flaherty. They've said that Flaherty could come back, but he'd be in a relief role. If he does, it's, you know, seemingly less and less likely. Carlos Martinez is gone. He's out for the year. So somehow they've had enough on the pitching side and offensively they've really put it together. Now again, they're kind of the team that we expected them to be. And it's just that they've gotten healthy. I mean, here's kind of here's what's gone right as we've expected as the developments that we have expected for the Cardinals. Now, these are developments, these are things that have changed, but they're changes that we kind of expected. First and foremost, Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill has monster power. Dude's been worth 4.5 F4 this year. He's been insane. I mean, he looks like Bane playing left field, which is cool. He plays classical piano. He's a really quirky dude. I, I'm I'm a Tyler O'Neill truther. I love this guy, and he has put it together this year. This might end up being his career year. We'll we'll see. But 282, 355, 535, 252 ISO, 28 home runs. He can slug it, and the thing about him is he, he's a really well-rounded player when he's hitting this well. He plays a really solid defensive left field. He runs well. Is he always going to be this guy? I don't know. I mean, he strikes out 32% of the time. He has a 32% strikeout rate. That's really high. That's really, really high. He has a 7.8% walk rate this year. That's low. That's lower than you want it to be. That's below average. But somehow this year, he has made it work 252 ISO. This is what we've always expected from him. He had ISO in this range in his rookie season. He has not top 200 since then the last couple of years. But this year... 252 ISO. That is what we expect from Tyler O'Neill. He's a really, really solid left fielder. Talk about replacing Marcel Ozuna. He has he has absolutely replaced the whole left by Marcel Ozuna when Ozuna uh, ended up in Atlanta. And we won't talk about uh, Ozuna anymore. Uh, Dylan Carlson in right field. Also, as expected, he's a, he's an above-average right fielder. He's having a solid rookie season. Now, he was my pick. At MLB trade rumors, he was my pick to be rookie of the year. He's not going to be that, but he's having a solid year. 258, 336, 416. That's 106 WRC plus, been worth 1.7 F4. He's been hurt a little bit and they've had to push him. They've had to play him in center field a fair amount. But when he's in right field, he has really strong defensive metrics. Four defensive runs saved in right. What the Cardinals don't want is to have Carlson or O'Neill in center field. So as long as they have Bader, Harrison Bader healthy, this is a really solid trio. And what's interesting about this Cardinals trio is I think that it's really a, it's a collection of maybe second division starters. I mean, not O'Neill hasn't played that way this way. He's absolutely been a first division player this year. But on the whole, maybe borderline fringy second division starters. But as a, as a group, as a unit, they're absolutely a first division trio in the outfield. Bader brings all the glove you need. He's exactly the type of defensive center fielder you want. Offensively, he's not an absolute stud, but he does enough right? O'Neal and Carlson are perfect compliments that, and that they are above average defenders in the corners and they bring enough bats to play there. Now, if you had to play either of those guys in center, you're not getting enough defense and the bat doesn't carry the day. The bats aren't that, that far above average. I mean, again, Carlson 106 WRBC plus that puts them 6%, you know, better than average. That's a good player. It's an especially good player when you bring a plus glove which he doesn't necessarily have in center. So you don't really want to push that bat up the defensive spectrum. And the same goes for O'Neill And for Bader, you don't want to push him down the defensive spectrum. He doesn't have enough bat to really carry him in a corner if you, if you for some reason, were to play him there. Now, now, Bader, he's not really playing a corner at all. That's not really something that's been on the table for the Cardinals, but he has been hurt. And so long as he's healthy, he's one of these Spitfire, you know, spark plug, uh, uh, you know, dirt dogs that really drives this the the cardinal way as it were and he puts everybody else back where they're supposed to be you know harrison bader can bat further down your lineup he brings you a plus plus glove and center and this way when he's there carlson and o'neill are in place where they're supposed to be this is a really really good group it's a really solid group anyway when you put those guys with the the absolute you know, pillars, the cornerstones of their offense and Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, who has been on fire and Yadier Molina, you start to have the makings of a really, really good offense. Tommy Edmond this dude does not get enough credit in real life or in fantasy. I have him on all my fantasy teams. He's a stud. He does a little bit of everything. He's a, and he's a total gamer. I mean, he'll, he'll steal. He's got 25, 26, some stolen bases. He steals a lot of bases. He's got 10 home runs. So he'll do enough for you on that side. You know, he doesn't he doesn't do any one thing exceptionally well, except run, probably. But you know, he's at the top of the order, he's gonna play every day for him. He moves around fantasy-wise, this doesn't matter, but he moves around around the diamond. I mean, it actually does help with fantasy. His multi-positionality, he he, he plays second and short and third in the outfield. You can play him anywhere, which is why I love him on my fantasy team. So he's just a plug-and-play guy. He's hitting 266, 313, 395 that's not exceptional. It's 94 WRC plus, right? That's, you know, below average, so it's not necessarily somebody that you're wild about at the top of your order and he doesn't have much pop. 129 ISO. There are some flaws in this guy's game. But he puts the ball in play, 14% strikeout rate. He puts the bat on the ball. He's one of these gamer types. I mean, in the game that he played on Tuesday night's game against the Brewers, it was it was such a typical Tommy Edmund experience because, you know, there's a runner on second base uh, Lars Newbar steals second base. It's a one to nothing ball game. It's in the eighth inning. It's a late late in the game. He steals second base and immediately Tommy Edmund Admin has two strikes and just sticks the bat out, slaps the ball to the left field for a base to drive that run home. A perfect piece of hitting with two strikes, just making contact, putting the ball in play, going with the pitch. And then he steals second base right away. His 27th steal of the year. He has 84 runs scored. I mean, 50 RBIs, but 84 runs scored. Tommy Edmond is the type of player that he plays up when your team's are winning, winning, winning ball games, right? Like, he maybe isn't surprising to see him on a middling team as the Cardinals were early in the year, but now, now is when he's going to really start getting his praise. And I do think he's a solid all-around player. 2.3 F4, that's absolutely a guy you want. I mean, the 313 on base percentage isn't ideal for the top of the order, but he's putting the ball in play. He's, he's driving action. And you can handle that when you have the other kinds of studs like Arnauto and Goldschmidt. I mean, if there's anything that the Cardinals really lacking, it's that true top of the order on, on base kind of guy. Uh, and Edmund has to kind of play that part for them sometimes, but it's been enough for them. I mean, again, they're not like, they're looking at snagging barely the second wildcard spot. This isn't the best team in baseball by any means, but they're going to have a chance to beat the best team in baseball or one of them in the Dodgers or the Giants come the wildcard game. And they're absolutely going to have a shot at doing that in a one game playoff. You don't want to face Adam Wainwright. In terms of the rest of this offense though, you know, Edmund setting the stage. Goldschmidt is still a star One thirty WRC plus 25 or 26 home runs, 90, 90 runs driven in. He's a four war player. Again, you need a couple of these guys and they have a couple of them. Aaron Otto is going to be a four war player. Tyler O'Neill is a four war player. Paul Goldschmidt is a four war player. These guys are big bats in the middle of your lineup. Nolan aronado is the 30 homer, 100 RBI guy that tradition, traditionalists will like. He doesn't walk as much as you would think for a superstar, but he's still 15% better than average on the whole with the 115 WRC+. And he's such a stud defender that you're willing to take. Again, it's about balance here. And, and these corner infielders, Goldie and Arenado balance each other in the same way that Bader and the corner outfielders do. They're both complete two-way players, but Arenado gives you more of the glove than the bat, and Goldie gives you more of the bat than the glove, and together they make a really potent duo. Now, there are a couple things that haven't gone exactly right for the Cardinals. The biggest thing, offensively speaking, is shortstop. They did not expect to have Edmundo Sosa, 25-year-old, as their as their everyday shortstop, and he, as he has been recently, and he's kind of much more of the Cardinal way, the kind of steady-as-she-goes kind of player. I mean, Paul Young has been the starter. He's a fine glove, but he has not hit the baseball. He, you know, 17 home runs again, 188. I DeYoung can still hit with some pop, but he is just not, he did not hit enough. 197 batting average, 288 on base percentage. They just weren't really getting nothing. From him. And he's been okay, you know, 1.4 F4 on the year. He's, he's fine, but it just... Sometimes you just don't want that much of a black hole in the lineup. And it's not like Sosa's been tremendous. 272, 342 for Edmundo Sosa. He doesn't walk either, but he puts the ball and play a little bit more, 18% strikeout this rate, or 18% strikeout rate this year. And he just does he just does he's got more of an all-around game that fits the Cardinal style. That you know De DeYoung is much more of a boomer bust type of player. That's not really the type of guy that the Cardinals employ. They really have a very balanced Lineup all the way across the board, all their offensive players do a little bit of everything. Even when they have some specialties, they do a little bit of everything there. And this offense again, it's not the best in the game. Are, are they going to have enough come playoff time? Probably not. They'll have a, a tough time beating the Dodgers in a one game series, and they'll have a tough time beating the Giants in a full series if that's the way it goes. But they're going to have a shot for sure. And somehow it seems like they're going to end up there. Because with ten this 10-game 10 winning streak, they're now well up for the second wildcard spot. So let's just review this real quick to see where they are. As of right now, and again, this is Wednesday night, they have not played their game yet against the Brewers. As of right now, they've won 10 in a row. The Padres have gone 2-8, and eight, and the Padres are all but eliminated from the playoffs at this point. Which is just amazing. I mean, the the Padres have a like a point one percent chance to make the playoffs right now. They're essentially done. They're they're still five games behind uh, the Cardinals, and there's just not enough time to play. And now they have to leapfrog the Phillies and the Reds. But the Phillies are four and a half back. The Reds are four back. I mean, the Red the the Cardinals have through this ten game winning streak, they've built themselves a cushion. They're gonna they're gonna coast. They're going to coast into this second wildcard spot and be able to set up their rotation, which is the thing that matters for them. If they're going to have a shot at getting past the Dodgers or the Giants, they need Adam Wainwright to be their guy for that one-game playoff, and they're going to have no problem setting that up. It's not looking like. I and mean, They have still some more games to go against the Brewers, but they're also playing the Cubs for seven, So, and the Cubs are, are a hot mess right now. So the, the Cardinals, they'll have this lockdown, and they're going to be back in the playoffs again. Surprise, surprise. In terms of their, you know, what are this? How is this team eventually going to lose? What are their potential downfalls? And I think you do have to look at the pitching side for that. There's, there's not much in the rotation beyond Wayne. Wainwright. I mean, you look at if you're looking at Jay Happ and John Lester, they've been okay. I mean, they've obviously managed. You know, you need a 10 game win streak. This kind of thing in the playoffs, you need to get hot like this. So are they going to be able to stay exactly this hot? I I kind of doubt it that they're going to be able to put it together for for two months the way they're going to need to here or for, you know, six weeks straight, say. They just don't know they have enough on the pitching side. Even the bullpen, which has a lot of really good arms, has been a little bit of a mess of late. I mean, Giovanni Gallegos has enough in the closer role. He's been underrated as a setup man for years. You know, maybe not typical closure stuff. He's throwing 95 more than 99, but he does enough. He has eight saves. He's eight for nine during their 10-game win streak. He's been. He knows how to pitch. He's been closing out games. I mean, it was he put on a clinic the other day against the Tuesday night game against the Brewers. I mean, loaded the bases more or less by design after giving up a leadoff single by to uh, uh, Abascal Garcia, and then walked Christian Yelich to load the bases to get to an, an easier out. And and you know once he got to that bases loaded moment, there were two outs. He made two perfect pitches to set up Pablo Reyes. Dropped a slider on him, and and he just he had no chance. He had no chance at all. And so, you know, Gallegos is enough there. Alex Reyes had been their closer. They've now transitioned him into the role that he was supposed to have all year, which is that fireman role where he can go multiple innings at any point during the game. They're going to need him. He's going to be absolutely key during the playoffs because again, they don't have the horses who are going to go late in games besides Adam Wainwright. I don't think you're going to see John Lester and Jay Happ going five, six innings in those, in those playoff games, or, or even Jake Woodford or Miles Mikolas, so like may, you know, you might get five innings out of those guys, but they're not going to be going really deep into games. The Alex race is going to be an important kind of bridge. It's going to have to be the bullpen. Kwon Young Kim is a, is a Southpaw who's out there now. Genesis Cabrera is going to be a big time arm. And other than those guys, you know, they really just have a lot of veterans who are out there. TJ McFarlane ground ball specialist. He was, you know, DFA would or released earlier by the, by the, National's. He's also from the left side. Andrew Miller obviously has been at times one of the best really in the game. He's not that guy anymore, but he can still, he can still get outs for you. Justin Miller and Cody Whitley. I do not love relying on those guys from the right-hand side. I mean, Justin Miller, again, he was released by the Nats, another DFI or DFA by the Nats that they claimed off waivers. It's just a bit much. Luis Garcia has been a big time setup arm for them. He's 34. He throws gas, and he looks really good, but he's also 34 and hasn't really been in these spots before. I don't know that he's, you know, he, his control wavers so much at times that like, I don't know that he's going to be a guy that you're going to go to every single moment in the postseason. Like, and they're going to have to have somebody in that pen to really step up. And I'm not sure I see who those guys are. I mean, Gallego still do some of it. Reyes will do some of it. Genesis Cabrera, Kwon Young Kim, I think, will be put to work. It's just a really smart organization. And if they're able to get through, that's going to be how they do it. Mike Schilt has been in this game for a long time. Obviously, Adam Wainwright brings a lot of wisdom to that bench, as as does Yadier Molina. Mike Maddox is their their, uh, pitching coach. I mean, they have some really, really bright baseball minds in that dugout and credit them for just kind of like staying the course and, and figuring out how to win ball games and, and they've gotten healthy at the right time. Their lineup is now healthy. And with these eight guys, their lineup works. They don't have a tremendous amount of depth. If they lose when O'Neill and Carlson or Bader have been out, like, you know, they're weekend for sure. They, they really do need those guys. molina's not like an absolute stud at the plate. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he can be a lineup guy. Of course, of course, of course, he's a, he's a starter and he's going to be, you know, he plays up in the playoffs, but it's not an offense that necessarily scares you all that much, but it's a totally capable offense if they can get enough on the pitching side. And you know, I don't really see it for three rounds of the playoffs. But I didn't see this tanking win streak coming either. So here we are, here they are, almost certainly going to the playoffs. You gotta give them credit. The cardinal way, it works they just they play the game the right way they learn how to win ball games that is an art and and it's a skill and it's something that you can that you got to learn over time and they have found their their stride at the, at the absolute right time so credit them as for the you know those who are left behind it's a bummer it's amazing that the padres aren't aren't going to be in the playoffs they, to their first half they seem like a shoe in but they have just absolutely fallen apart they've fallen on hard times in terms of their injuries their entire you know pitching staff is injured and they just haven't been able to figure it out. The the there's definitely some in-house stresses now with them. We see we see the kind of yelling at Fernando Tatis stuff this week from Manny Machado and from the bench coach, and they're clearly just dealing with some high stress stuff. And they're they're out now. I think they're they're facing that reality that their season is is done. The Mets are done. Uh, you know they were not able to keep up any kind of extended run once they lost Jacob deGrom. The Reds surprisingly, they fell apart. The Reds have had an awful couple you know few weeks where they can't they can't win a series. They're three and three and seven in their last ten. They've just been not very good. And when just when it seemed like they were gonna make this run, they they totally fell apart and they have not been able to sustain any kind of win streak. Uh so here we are. The the Cardinals are gonna do it, and you know, weirdly enough, it's gonna be the Cardinals versus the Dodgers or the Giants in that one-game playoff and You know, it's kind of – it's like, oh, great job, Cardinals. You did amazing. This big comeback. Now you get one game against Max Scherzer. You know, enjoy. But it is one game. You got a shot. And if there's any team that won't be cowed by a Max Scherzer in a one-game playoff or Kevin Gossman, if it's the Giants, you know, whoever they get, it's the Cardinals. They're not going to be cowed by that situation. They're absolutely going to have the air of a team that can go in there and take, take that game and I think they are absolutely a team that would worry the Dodgers as much as you might like the talent on San Diego or, or Cincinnati. The Cardinals just have that way about them. They just, they're blue collar. They get the work done. They do things the right way. And you know, they're going to come in prepared and you know, they're not going to get frustrated and give up on that ball game. There are too many veterans in that clubhouse, too many veterans on that team who've you know been there, done that. So let's get into a little bit of this week in baseball. Uh, there are a couple of cool things that happened this week. A couple of interesting things that happened this week. Obviously we are nearing the playoffs and that's the biggest thing. Uh, you're in your fantasy playoffs now, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, in real baseball, you know, the good baseball, we're actually coming down the stretch here. So we don't have really amazing races. The National League kind of is pretty well done. It looks like, um, just a matter of kind of figuring out who's going to win, you know, will the giants hold off the Dodgers for the, for the NL West and, and can the, can the Phillies make a push? I mean, Bryce Harper is doing his best over there, you know, MVP type of season. He's looking like he might win the MVP, but he's the, the Phillies are still working on it. They're not quite there. They're still a couple games behind the Braves. They'll have a shot to catch them. Um, I don't think they probably will. I think the, the Braves are probably going to hold them off there. Uh, which is too bad because the, the the Phillies are a little bit more compelling as an organization right now because the Braves don't have Acuna. But, but we'll see. We'll see what happens here in the last couple of weeks for them. I'm sure we'll talk more about the Phillies next week when Tim is, is returned to us. So, otherwise, this week in baseball, we're looking at the final stretch here with the AL East, which is where the most fascinating stuff is happening here in that wild card race, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the Yankees. One of those teams is not going to be in it. The other two will play a one-game playoff for the right to face the Rays. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing divisional rivalry sequence that we're going to have at the end of the year. There, those four teams going to beat each other up and and end up down to one by the time we get to the ALCS, uh, which is just amazing. That you know, those are four of the better teams in the game right now, and we're going to distill it down to their the one. A's champion and they're, who's, and they're going to go face the winner of the, the Astros and the White Sox for the AL pennant. So that's that's going to be some pretty exciting stuff there as we get to it. Um, as of right now, the Jays still have that second spot. The Yankees would be the odd man out, but we'll see what happens there. Otherwise this week in baseball, uh, Jake Arrieta, oh, DFA again. <laughs> I mean, it's sad to say, I love Jake Arrieta. I love him in his prime, but he's an awful human being. And he's an awful pitcher right now. Great beard, you know. Great workout routine, but he just—he's not the guy anymore. He's the, the fact that the, the Padres were relying on Jake Arrieta of all people. I mean, my goodness, they did not have a shot there. This was—you know—things were dire for the Padres when they're going to turns to Jake Arrieta. Is he done? I don't—I don't know. He'll be—I mean, I'm surprised he got three teams this year to give him a go. So we'll—we'll we'll see, Jerry Arrieta. He's done for the year now. Arrieta, you know, he'll probably latch on somewhere next year, but, but I don't. If he's pitching like he did this year, we might've seen the last of him. So I don't know what we'll, we will see there. Um, in terms of returning pitchers, the Yankees are getting a couple guys back. Domingo Herman and Luis Severino. Severino pitched for the first time in two years. He pitched two scoreless innings on Tuesday. Pretty amazing. The Yankees need it now. So, I mean, two weeks, it's a pretty interesting time to rely on those two guys, but they're going to turn to him at least and give him a go and see what happens. I mean, I don't, I don't know that the, uh, that that's the best idea for them. But if they are pitching and they're healthy, they can definitely help that, that race. And the blue Jays on their end, they just placed Hyunjin Ryu on the DL on the 10 day DL. So they are be hurting a little bit. I think the blue Jays have enough in their rotation now with, uh, you know, Jose Barrios and Alex Manoa pitching. Well, um, you know, Robbie Ray obviously has had an amazing season. So I think the blue Jays do have enough even without Rio to get by and, and to make a, a run in the playoffs if they should get there. But, um, Obviously, they would rather have Ryu back, um, and also in that AL East, the the Rays promoted Shane Baz, their their top prospect, you know, acquired in the Chris Archer trade, along with Tyler now and Austin Meadows. Pirates fans just, you know, shake your heads. Nothing you can do about it. And move along. But he looked good. I don't know if the uh, the Rays plan on using him, giving him a real go in the playoffs or not. My guess is no, because they don't tend to lean on uh, just because of the way they dealt with Wander Franco last year not bringing him up. But at the same time, you know, Shane McClanahan made his major league debut in the playoffs last year. They need some starting pitching guys who can go innings right now. It's McClanahan in the rotation. Maybe a bunch of bullpen days. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, he'll probably get a spot in the playoff rotation. Otherwise, it's really going to be probably two, three innings at a time patching it together. So. Maybe Boz does have a spot in the playoffs. We will see. He's not technically eligible right now because he was not on the 40 man roster. But uh there is the injury de- designation. They could petition the commissioner's office to put him on should they have to remove somebody because of injury, and there almost certainly is somebody who will be injured. There always is. I think they really wanted to push him on. So uh let's keep an eye on Boz here last couple of weeks otherwise in baseball this week the reds extended david bell through 2023 i mean good on him i guess and a little bit of a weird time considering the semi-collapse here for the reds but you know they didn't have a bullpen all year they weren't really expected to be a playoff contender so you could say maybe that they, they played above their heads this year uh they still had a great rotation they still had plenty of bats uh you know they still had joey Votto you know, rejuvenating himself, looking amazing. So, you know, I don't know that you give David Bell credit for that, but I guess he's done an all right job I and mean, he's been their guy. So stick with him. It's good to see some continuity. I mean, Craig Council is still the longest tenured manager in the game. And it's, and it seems like teams more often than not, choose to let guys go when anything goes wrong. So it's nice to see anybody kind of hold on to a role for a while. We now have a couple of managers who have managers who have been in their spot for a couple of years. So, David Bell hanging on in Cincinnati. We'll see what happens, you know, next year with him. He's now extended through 2023. So he's got a little bit of a leash. And, you know, you know, I don't think for him the day-to-day changes much. You're just you're managing to win ball games, and that's kind of it. The, you know, the front office has to really decide what what direction to take the team. Otherwise, in terms of spending, in terms of how much they really want to go all in for next year. But um, I'm sure David Bell is looking and, and hoping that they're gonna have a contender there in Cincinnati. And they have enough money on the books that I would think that they'd be pushing for it again. But at the same time, they didn't this year when they sent away all their relievers and decided to go with unproven guys in the back end, and that did not go well for them. So congrats to David Bell. Um, also, Alex Avila, catcher currently of the Nationals, longtime Detroit Tigers catcher. He has announced his retirement. This will be it for him. He's been hurt a lot this year. Got to play some second base so that's cool the nationals were so depleted he played second base and then he missed about six weeks because he got hurt doing it so that's why you don't play people out of position if you can uh but the nationals are they got their own stuff to figure out um uh so again congrats to to alex avila for putting together a good career he had a a good run there in detroit his dad traded him away his dad the gm of the detroit tigers traded him away so that's kind of a crazy story is that he might be the only guy in baseball who can tell that story. Um, certainly the only active player. I'd have to do some research into seeing if uh, there's been anybody else who's been traded by their dad before. So um, but I feel that was so good for him. And uh, you know, he had a he had a decent decent career. He had a good good career. He was a good backstop for a lot of years. Caught those those tiger teams with Scherzer and, and Justin Verlander, and you know, got to catch Scherzer here again for a time in Washington. So congrats to him on a good career. He's hanging up now. He's going to probably stick around the game in some capacity. We'll see if he goes back to Detroit to work with his dad or if he ends up somewhere else, but uh, good on him. And then the nationals, you know, since we we're talking on them a little bit, they're having a lot of internal change. Uh, you know, they had an AGM, assistant GM leave announced that he's leaving the organization uh, today, which is really interesting for them because they they have had a fair amount of continuity. Um in the front office behind behind Mike Rizzo. But Sam Andre Cohen, the assistant GM there, he's kind of credited with heading up their analytics department for, for building out the Pentagon, which is their their internal analytics system. Um, you know, you, you read some quotes from, from Ryan Zimmerman, and there's you know, there's clearly an uphill battle for him in that organization. I think they definitely now use some analytics, and it's but it's still mostly a, a coaching forward. Organization, which is interesting because it has fired four coaches, they just fired four of the minor league coaches this week. Um, and they've had a couple of front office people leave. So, you know, it's a real transition, a couple of years for the Nats. It's really kind of interesting. They, you know, they win this title at the very absolute tail end of that Bryce Harper era. Bryce Harper's gone, of course. Uh, the Anthony Rendon era that I guess the 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 Max Scherzer, Steven Strasberg era is what you'd call it. Now they win the title at the very tail end, and then the the transition happens very quickly. Now rendon has gone. Trey Turner has gone. Max Scherzer is gone. Strasburg nowhere to be seen. Corbin is the worst pitcher in baseball. Organizationally. Now, a lot of people are moving out. There've been a lot of changes. It's Juan Soto. It's Mike Rizzo. And it's Dave Martinez. And, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, and Ryan Zimmerman too right now, but Ryan Zimmerman, this could be his last season. We'll see if he hangs on or if he sticks around in any kind of capacity, but, it's a new day in, in Washington and it'll, it'll be really interesting to see the next couple of years, how they, how they change things up. And, and, you know, if they hold on to any of that 2019 power, cause they are, they could be facing some dark days ahead. Otherwise, you know, there's not much in the minor league system. They're going to work on it. And Rizzo says they're going to try to for a quick turnaround. It's going to be harder if he doesn't have analytics people in the front office, but uh, hopefully they hire some people. They did hire any data engineer from the Washington post. So uh, you know, hopefully he's able to pick up some of that slack and they were able to, they were able to bring in some new people to keep building out their analytics department. Cause they do need people on that side. Even if that's not the only way, obviously uh, you know, it has to go, the analytics have to go hand in hand with coaching, uh, which I've often thought the nationals actually understand better than many organizations, but um, without, uh, without, you know, that AGM there anymore, um they're going to need someone else to be that voice. And you know, I don't know enough about the internal systems there. If they have someone else who's able to step up, I know they've lost a couple of people from the analytics department. So hopefully they have somebody there to keep this organization going the right direction. Cause they have been with the Cardinals, one of the steadier organizations in the last 10 years or so. Um, but now they're, they're going to have a year or two trying to turn it around, trying to see what happens when they get, you know, can they get Keeper Ruiz and Cardo Kiboom and Luis Garcia and whoever else established as regulars? Can they turn Victor Robles around again? Can they build out any kind of pitching staff? Can they put a team around Juan Soto because Juan Soto is right now maybe the best hitter in baseball. He's on base percentage of four sixty five or something right now, something just absolutely insane. And you just don't you don't want to waste a single year um, of that kind of talent. So. I don't want to waste another single minute of your time. We'll call it quits for the day. Uh, Please feel free to comment, uh, rate us five stars, reach out to us on Twitter, come say hello. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at tzanka. You can find Tim Jackson at Tim Jackson says, Uh, we are happy to bring you breaking baseball news every Thursday here on the Pitcher Pitcher List Podcast Network. And we look forward to talking to you again. Next week, we'll be that much closer to the end of the season, so stick with us. We are coming down the stretch. We have just a couple, you know, 10, 14 more days before playoff time. So it is exciting times in the baseball world, and we are excited to break that action with you. Have a good one, everybody.